Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at Epic, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you are joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in, and we're so glad that you're here with us today. Today, we are starting a brand new three-part series called The Gift Exchange, and I'm curious, by a raise of hands, how many of you have ever participated in a gift exchange? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, just about everybody in the room. Now, how many of you, by a raise of hands, are going to be a part of a gift exchange this month or already have been? Yeah, about half of the room. How many of you are tired of gift exchanges? Yeah, raise your hand. So haven't we all participated in those gift exchanges? And, uh, you know, we bring some nice gift, and then somebody brings this gift that we just don't know what to do with. And let me give you a few of those examples that you may have received. The first is the Snuggie. I mean, you remember when you got your first Snuggie? I mean, it's 10 years and it continues to be given, okay? And then there is the big head squirrel feeder. Judging by the size of that squirrel, he's definitely enjoying it, but you as a neighbor are not enjoying that. So, and then there's hander pants, underpants for your hands. I'm not even gonna comment about that, okay? And then there's grow a boyfriend. Are we serious? Like, babe, you're always right. Let's go shopping all day. This is what this thing says. I never snore. I don't talk. I just listen. And just add water, and I grow six times my size. Amazing. And then there's my favorite. There's Dashboard Jesus. Um, And so this one is given because everyone needs Jesus when you're driving. Um, And then there's a warning label on the back that says, don't let this Jesus take the wheel, okay? Jesus take the wheel, no. Some of you got that, but anyways, I won't sing the rest of the song for you. Uh, So, now all kidding aside, um, I love the Christmas season um, in this time of year because we are uh, introduced again to the greatest gift exchange that has been given of all times. And so during this series, we're going to be looking at uh, God's gift exchange, which is way better than our gift exchanges. And uh, he knows exactly what everyone is going through and what we're all battling inside of us. And so he wants us to exchange those things for his amazing gifts. And so during this series, we're going to be uh, looking at what we can exchange uh, for his gifts. And so today, we're going to be looking at exchanging our worry for God's peace. Next week, we're going to look at exchanging our sadness for God's joy. And then we're, uh, last week, we're going to be looking at our burdens for God's best. Now, today, we're going to be looking at, like I said, exchanging uh, our worry for uh, God's peace. And I'm sure all of us, at some point, get stressed out in our lives, especially uh, probably during the Christmas season, right? Uh, How many of you are already stressed out uh, this month? Yes, thank you for sharing that. And let me see if I can stress the rest of you out. And so, uh, because here's what's in front of us. I mean, we've got decorations to put up. We've got Christmas lights to put up because our neighbor just added a few more strands and we can't be beat. I mean, we're going to get it this year, finally, you know? 
And then we've got seven parties to attend. We've got school functions. We've got recitals and concerts to go to. And then we've got to get like the perfect gift for everyone. Pressure's on, game on, you know? Um, And then we've got to get ready for those parties. Uh, We've got long lines to stand in or websites to revisit because they've crashed and we can't buy the thing that we wanted to buy in the first place. Um, And then we've got lights to go see, family to visit. Um, We've got expectations to live up to. Um, We've got uh, family members to please. We've got um, relatives to satisfy. We've got all these thoughts in our mind about what everybody is thinking about us during the holiday season because we've eaten too much or we've spent too much money. And so how many of you are stressed right now? Okay, yeah, a few more. So... (laughs) But anyways, um, you know, isn't this supposed to be a time of peace? Like, during the Christmas season, isn't that what we're supposed to find? And so, uh, even if you don't believe in God, isn't that the thing that all of us want to experience? And so today, we're going to be looking at how we can exchange our worry for God's peace. Because we all want peace. And today we're going to be looking specifically how he offers that peace. And where he offers that peace is found so long ago when he sent his Jesus, his son, Jesus. And so if you would, if you would turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 in your Bibles or on your YouVersion app, um, as you turn there... Um, If you don't have a Bible, always feel free to get a Bible from the back as our gift to you. Uh, Also, you can always download uh, the YouVersion Bible app for free as well. Uh, But go ahead and turn there, and uh, we'll put the verses up on the screens. Uh, But it's always good to get familiar uh, with the Bibles that are in your hands or at your fingertips. And I'll give you a moment to turn to Matthew 1, uh, verse 18. Now, as you turn there, let me give you the context of the point of history that we're jumping into because we need to understand this. So Joseph is engaged to be married to a young virgin girl named Mary. And at this time in history, engagements were a lot more different than our engagements today. Today, uh, if you are engaged and something weird happens or something happens that's unexpected, then it's hard, but it's easy to be able to break off that engagement. And not so back then, because back then, uh, engagements were considered a legally binding agreement. And so if you got engaged, you were considered to be married. You were husband and wife, yet you weren't living with each other at that point. For an entire year, she had to live with her parents, and he had to live with his parents, but you were considered married. And so there was no intimacy, no living together, and this was uh, what was considered the waiting period, okay, to demonstrate the faithfulness of the pledge of purity uh, concerning the bride uh, who was about to be given. And so the only way to break off an engagement is you had to literally file for a divorce, Or if unfortunately something happened and the other person died, then you could break off the engagement. And if someone did die in the engagement, uh, you were still considered uh, to be a widow or widower. And so that's how binding an engagement was back then in the Jewish culture. And we need to understand that uh, before we dive in. 
So with that in mind, let's pick up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now let's pause. I mean, could you imagine how Mary uh, had to break the news to Joseph here? I mean, really? Um, I don't know what happened, but I could imagine it went like something like this. Mary said, hey, uh, Joey, honey bunches, let's go for a walk, okay? And as they're on their walk, Joey, I'm pregnant. But wait, don't rush to any conclusions. The good news is, it's the Holy Spirit. I mean, could you imagine Joseph in that moment? I mean, put yourself in his spot, you know? I mean, I'm sure there was anger, frustration. Like, what did you just say? Uh, Really? Like, how long did it come uh, for you to come up with that story? I mean, don't give me that Holy Spirit stuff. I mean, are you kidding me? And I'm sure in that moment, he probably walked off. And he had a, a mix of emotions going through his mind. And as he started to chew on it, I'm sure some of the emotions that went through his mind was, what am I going to do in this culture in this day? This is totally unacceptable. And so in Joseph's mind, he's probably thinking, there is no way that God did this. So one, either Mary is like losing her marbles and she's crazy, okay? Or two, she is a liar. And so regardless of what it is, there are like no good options. And it comes down to like two options that he has. And so option one, and if he was thinking this probably, you know, he's thinking, all right, if I stay with this girl, then what will everyone think? What will people say? I mean, they'll think that I got her pregnant, you know, and I won't be able to get a job. I'll be marked for the rest of my life. I won't be trusted. Option two is that I get a divorce, you know? And yeah, some people might think that uh, someone else got her pregnant, but some people will think that I'm just trying to cover my tracks. And so what father out there would ever trust me with their daughter to give uh, her to me as my bride, because they'll always think, what really happened? And no one will want to employ me. I mean, when I take my donkey in to get an oil change, I mean, they'll look at me and say, "Uh, sorry, bud, you know, we don't uh, change oil on that kind of vehicle, and uh, you'll have to go to another place, you know? So this is all that's going through his mind. What is he going to do? I mean, either way, either option is not a good option. And so what should he do? Now, we don't know if that's what he's thinking, but from the text, we can see that um, he makes a decision, and he, he makes a decision to be done with Mary, and we know that it was a complicated decision from what we're about to see, that he had to think long and hard about this. And so in verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, a lot of scholars agree that divorcing her uh, quietly was actually a very noble and honoring thing, and I actually agree, because if Joseph had exposed her publicly, she would have been potentially stoned to death, because that's what the law required. 
But Joseph, he's a good guy. He loves her. He cares about her. But he doesn't know what to do in this moment. He comes to this decision, but we see that it starts to weigh on his heart. And we see him starting to waffle, and he's torn about making the decision that he's made. And we see it, just a glimpse of it, in the beginning of verse 20. It says in verse 20, as he considered this, it's like he's going back and forth, back and forth, and it's all bottled up inside of him. Now, we get this, you know? Isn't that what we do when we begin to worry and stress about the things of life? You know, don't we just bottle it up? I know that's what I do. When I begin to worry and stress about things, the pressure continues to build and build and build inside of me because it doesn't seem like there's any good option to choose. And when we're at this, what seems like a crossroad in life, the pressure only increases and it only gets even more dramatic. And it just continues to build until we finally just bust. Now, that's what happened to me a number of years ago. When I was a junior in high school, uh, one of my best friends started to sell drugs. And we had been best friends since preschool. And so we had grown up saying we would never do drugs, never sell drugs. And so I confronted him. And it didn't go well. He didn't like being called out. And not only did he turn his back on me in that moment, but he let me know how much he could not stand me for the next several months and kept at me. And at the same time, I was experiencing two major family issues that just broke my heart. It broke my heart. And so I had three things that were going on at the same time, and I didn't know what to do in that moment. And I just kept getting down and down and down so much so to the point where I just thought I was useless. I mean, I didn't have any options, I felt like. I cried out to God, and I asked him where he was in the midst of those things, and I didn't hear anything. And so I got to this point where I just thought, you know what? It'd be better if I wasn't around. No one will ever miss me. And so I started to come up with a plan. And I started to think about taking my life. And at one moment, at a very low point in that season, I thought to myself, you know what? What would it feel like if I enacted part of my plan? And so I did that night. And when I did, I was scared to death. I could not believe that I would consider something like that and partially act on it. And in that moment, I just hit the ground and I was sprawled out and I cried out to God and I said, God, I need your help. I need your help. Why won't you say anything? And I wish I could tell you that he responded in that moment, but he didn't. And not long after that, 
I got to the point where I started getting sick, like real sick, like lose 20 pounds sick. Now, if you look at this amazing dad bod today, I mean, <laughs> I could use uh, 20 pounds off probably. <clears throat> but back then, I couldn't. And so after losing 10 pounds, I went to my doctor and he wasn't there. And they ran some tests and they couldn't find out what was going on. And then another week passed and I lost another five pounds. And I go back and they were like, ooh, what's going on? But he wasn't there. And then I went away and uh, I lost another five pounds. And I came back and finally, my childhood doctor was there. And he read everything and he looked at me and he said, from everything I've read, Tim, why are you so stressed? Now, this might seem strange, but in that moment, I needed to hear those words. Those words were as if God had said them to myself and directly to me. Because I was a Christ follower. And look how I was handling all these things. You know? I needed to be called out in that moment. He didn't know that. It wasn't God. It was all me. I had gotten myself so wrapped up and so out of shape. And so I needed to hear those words. And God got my full attention. And I was finally ready to listen and do what God wanted me to do. Those words I needed to hear because God didn't want me so stressed and so worried. And Joseph needed to hear some words from God himself as well. And God did. Let's see what God said to Joseph. So in verse 20, Joseph considered this, and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That's powerful. And this is even more powerful, and let's read this together in verse 21. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, at that moment when Joseph awakes, I'm sure that's exactly what God needed to do to get his attention. He needed to hear those words exactly from God himself. And he was going to be a part of what God had prophesied about the Messiah so long ago that the Messiah would be the savior of the world. Now, don't answer this out loud, but what words do you need to hear from God today? What are you so worried about? Are you at a crossroad? at this point in your life? Are you so far down a road that it seems like there are no options? What do you need to hear from God today? 
What will it take to get your full attention? See, you've got to understand, you've got God's full attention. He's there. But are you ready to give God your full attention? So continuing in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, and I love these next two words, they are so important, he did. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded, and he took Mary as his wife. Now, this was a bold move. I mean, a bold move in that culture because he took Mary as his wife before the one-year time period had expired. That was unheard of. If he wanted people's attention, he just got their attention. And they're thinking, what are you doing? Are you crazy? Or are you guilty? I mean... Why would you marry this woman who's saying that she has the Messiah? She should be stoned to death. But it didn't matter to Joseph what everyone else was thinking. He had determined the next step that he needed to take. And he took a bold step to do what God wanted him to do. And sometimes we have to do the same. We have to take a bold move once we hear from God. For me, not long after God got my attention, um, I went to this youth conference right before my senior year, okay? And there was a speaker there, and he spoke about, uh, do you really know God? And as he spoke, he said, some of you, you know God. You've entered into a relationship with Jesus, you've had your sins forgiven, and you know him, but yet, you haven't done anything after that. Some of you, you have a right standing with God. Your sins have been forgiven by God. But you do not know him. Some of you, you take God out of a backpack and you only go to him when you need help and you have no relationship with Jesus. You don't talk to him ever except for when it's needed. And I'll remember these words, and I will never forget them. In that moment, he said, you may know God, but do you know him? You may know God, but do you know him? And in that moment, I'm like, you're right, God. Like, I have been treating you like this off and on relationship. I have never dug in to really get to know you. And so today, today, God, I'm going to start getting into the scriptures and I'm going to start getting to know you and spending time with you and I'm going to continue to dig and dig and dig to know you. And so over the years, I've come to find as I've dug into scripture, some things that will help you, they helped me deal with worry. Why can we exchange our worry for God's peace? So let me share with you two things that are so important. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. They're so important. Number one is this. When you ask Jesus to be your savior, our sins are forgiven and we have a right standing with God, period. You have been given peace with God and you will be with God forever, even after you die. And so when you approach Jesus to be your savior and ask him to forgive your sins, then you have a right standing with God. Now, after that, 
as you're a Christ follower, you're like, but Tim, I still worry. It's still there. Why don't I have peace? Well, God even takes care of that. Number two, whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Let's say that together. Whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Say it one more time. Whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. You can even make that a little dance. My kids love to do that. Whenever you start to worry, stop and pray. Whenever you start, you know, Will Smith says, keep it here. Don't go up. Don't pick fruit. Don't do it your wax thing. You know, just keep it right here. Okay. <clears throat> so... Paul writes about this, and he says in Philippians 4, 6, and this is so key to dealing with our worry, okay? So if you are a worrywart like me, all right, you need to memorize this verse. Do not be anxious. That means torn up. That means worry. That means get to the point where there's pressure building, anxiety. You're driven by fear about anything. But in every situation, and here's three things, three very important things. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, he says it in the same breath. Three things that we're going to break down. By prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you know how you can have peace with God um, in the crazy moments of life? It's by prayer. It's talking to him about anything, anytime, anywhere. And then you move on to this. What's that word petition mean? Here's what that word petition means, okay? It means setting aside time to focus your prayers on special needs, those things that you're desperate over, the heavy needs that we all have in our lives. We're talking about that deep, intense prayer where we bear our soul before God. Let me give you an example of this. So a number of years ago, uh, my third son, Caleb, he's about to be six, he was three at the time, um, he got sick, okay? Not a big deal, it wasn't like a major sickness or anything like that, but um, after he got better, he continued to have this fever that persisted, and it was like, what's this? And so after it continued to last a little bit, we took him to the doctor, and the doctor, you know, treated him. And we went back actually a few more times because it kept lingering and lingering and lingering. And the doctor finally said, you're going to need to see a specialist. We don't know why his fever is not going away. Yeah, it's kind of a low-grade fever, but it's there. And so you need to go see a specialist. And so uh, we went and saw a specialist. And the specialist came in and told us up front, um, either Caleb has an unexplainable fever that will eventually go away, or he has cancer or an autoimmune disease. Now, we weren't expecting that. We weren't expecting those words. That's a whole different ballpark. And so he's like, we're going to run him through a number of tests. And so after the second round of blood work, it really hit me. And I got real emotional. And I carved out some time to talk to God about this. And I said to him, God, I don't know what to do. And I don't know if I can handle this. God, I'm not sure that I can be in this moment. I mean, when I think about my son, Caleb, he has an amazing sense of humor. He lights up our family. 
I couldn't imagine that being gone. Father, I can't imagine the joy he brings, his rough and tumbleness of who he is. He's all boy. And so I got real raw with God. And God can handle that. And in that moment, as I prayed, I came to this third part that we often forget in our prayers. And it's that part, thanksgiving. What does that mean? Well, here's what it means. In that moment, because of what God has done so many times in our lives, how many times we have seen him faithful, how many times we think he has given up on us, how many times he has spoken to us, in this moment, when it's not clear, when we're at this crossroad, we say, God, but I trust you. No matter what happens, I trust you. And when I pray that, and when I prayed that specifically with Caleb, then I experienced God's peace and his rest in that moment. Now, several weeks after that, Caleb was fine. It was just an unexplainable fever that eventually went away. So <clears throat> our prayers in those moments doesn't change our circumstances. But when we end, after we've poured out our hearts to God, and we're able to say, God, I trust you no matter what, that's when God's peace comes into our lives. That's when we come face to face with Jesus. And I can only imagine that's what happened uh, with Joseph as well. Um, at the time when they finally made it to Bethlehem after not having all the pieces to the puzzle but just saying, God, I'm going to trust you. All of a sudden, I'm sure Joseph came face to face with the Savior after he was born. And as he's looking at his son and wondering who his son is, all of a sudden, all these shepherds came from nowhere. And they came to Mary and Joseph. And they're saying, an angel has told us that this very night, a child has been born. And he is the savior of the world. And I bet in that moment, Joseph experienced God's peace. And as he lifted up his son to show the shepherds their savior, he understood how God had sent his greatest gift for all of us. And that's what he wants to do for you today. So, some of you need to come face to face with the Savior. Some of you have been coming and checking out this whole Jesus thing, this whole Christianity thing, and something that was said today is exactly what you needed to hear from God. And so today, would you, would you make Jesus your savior? Would you put your faith in him so that you can have a right standing with God and have peace? For others of you, you know Jesus, but do you really know him? 
Have you dug in the scriptures and come to such a personal relationship with Jesus that you can talk to him on a regular basis? If not, I would encourage you to stop by the Connection Center. On the Spiritual Growth Challenge, I have put a reading plan uh, from version that you can jump into and that'll get you into the scripture. And then I encourage you to continue to read scripture after that one and continue to get on a plan. It's so easy, it reminds you what you need to read each day. And so get on a one-year plan or get on a two-year plan to get into scripture so that when tough times happen and they will happen, you can have confidence that God is with you and that his peace is available in those times. And then if you're a worrywart like me, you know, and you've made worry just a habit of your life, when you start to worry, would you stop and pray? Would you stop and pray? Would you make that the new habit of your life? And would you cry out to him with what's on your heart? And then at the end of your prayers, just simply say, God, thank you. Thank you for being in control. And I will trust you no matter what. So as we close today in prayer, if you are at a place where you've just got worry on your heart, or you're at a crossroad, I mean, it doesn't matter, it could be small or large. During this prayer, would you simply start to pray? As I pray, would you talk to him? And would you say to him, God, here's what I've got. Here's all the stuff that I'm wrestling with. Would you cry out to him in that moment? And would you say to him, God, I need your help. And then would you begin to thank him? Like, I don't see a way out today, but God, I know you will speak to me. And I know that you are in control and that you will provide the way out for me. And so I trust you no matter what happens. And so would you do that today? And then we're going to close in a song. We're going to sing Silent Night. And I just want you to take a moment as Matt sings this song to stay in your seats, to reflect upon the words that are being sung, and then join him. Join him when it's appropriate for you. And let's remember what God did. Let's remember that he sent his son, Jesus, to be the savior of the world, to provide us with peace with God and peace every day. So let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for what you have done and how great you are. God, thank you so long ago that you knew we would wrestle with all these things. God, we stress out so much. We worry about things. But God, we can look to you. And so Father, we just uh, come to you in this moment. God, there's someone here today who's ready. They heard from you. And they are ready to make you their savior. And so if that's you, would you just simply express and pray this in your heart? Uh, to God. It doesn't matter what the words are, but would you just say, dear Jesus, I am ready to make you my savior. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Will you forgive my sins and be my savior? So if you prayed that, you have peace with God. And if you're struggling with worry right now, or maybe at a 
point where there's a crisis. Father, I just pray for those today. I pray that in this moment that they will just cry out to you in their hearts. God, that they will just turn to you and give you their full attention. God, that they will say to you, God, I need your help. Here's what I'm dealing with. And Father, would you help me? God, would you just show up? I don't see how it's going to work today. I've run out of options. But God, I'm turning to you in this moment. And I'm trusting you no matter what happens. And so God, I just pray for each person here who's wrestling with worry, who's so anxious and are at the end of their rope. And Father, I pray as they pray that they will experience your peace. God, that you will help them. Thank you that you speak words of love, of peace into our lives. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.